We're going to stay focused on how to have healthy relationships. I taught this series at um, University of Mobile several years ago. We did a we, we launched a ministry to try to reach some of their students, and I, ta- I think I taught the first one there at a chapel, and then the rest of them were here. And uh, they wanted to do a big promotion. Some, some of our youth pastors back then, Edwin and uh, Chris, were here. They wanted to do a big promotion on this series, and, and so they asked me what did it start on, and I said, well, we're going to start with the design from Genesis chapter 2, the design that God has for relationships. And that really starts with Adam and Eve and ultimately their marriage um, commitments and what that meant. God intended for relationships to have that intimacy and that closeness and that fellowship. And so we're going to start with that. And we began to talk and they looked at some of my notes and, and uh, they said, what's the point? <laughs> and I was goofing around with them one day and I said, the point is to be naked and unashamed. That's the whole point of relationships, naked and unashamed. And they said, are you going to do that at our Baptist college? And I said, yep, that's where we're going. And so they made T-shirts. I still have one hanging in my closet somewhere of a guy with a barrel around him, you know, the suspenders over his shoulders and a barrel around him. And you can tell, you know, he's naked. And it, it said, naked and unashamed, Northside Bible Church. I was like, I don't know that we really meant for it to go quite there. Not exactly what I was thinking, but the, the effort was good. And it was a good challenge to the to the students to bring them to the, to the core foundation. So if you'll turn in your Bibles, your iPads, your cell phones, or whatever else you're bringing these days to Genesis chapter 2, we're going to look at some of this very beginning uh, challenges of, of who, who God intended us to be in the original beautiful design of Scripture. And I want to say to you as we begin that every person is created by God from the factory. You came from the factory with the right wiring for relationships. You were created by God to have healthy relationships. Everybody in this room knows somebody that's terrible at relationships. That's they're obnoxious, they're a pain, no pointing. Keep your fingers to yourself. Okay, but they're they're a pain, they're hard to get along with, they're frustrating. I have a person I've been ministering to for three or four years now, and some days I just want to wring that person's ever loving neck. That's in Jesus' name and from your pastor. But I'm telling you. <laughs> They wear me out with whining and complaining. They can't see the good side of anything, and it's just really challenging to me. And part of my goal, I've, I've been asking the Lord. Matter of fact, my week at camp, when I get, would get a few minutes to myself, I was just saying, God, teach me through this relationship. I'm missing something here. There's, there's something deeper in this that I'm supposed to get or learn from it. And so I began to really try to figure out what God's showing me. But every person is wired by God to have healthy relationships. Some people use that wiring. Some people don't. Some people choose not to use it, and they never, ever get it. So, but we can learn a lot from that. One of the students I counseled years ago uh, went through a horrible tragedy in her life, and she was abused by her father in many, many ways, and uh, some of the worst ways you could imagine for years. And her father was a Christian, supposedly, and was doing all this, and then forcing them to come to church and be great Christian kids. And ultimately... Um, when she got older, she exposed that just in a sort of a cry for help to our ministry, to me and others. And we brought all the family under the umbrella of the church to lead them and try to walk them out of that and confront him. And he confessed to it and we separated them for a while. And within the two-week period of her bringing all that to light and us bringing t- literally daily counsel into his life, um, he went to Florida for a weekend to get away and read some books that we'd given him. And he committed suicide. And sent a letter or sent a video that said why 
he was doing all that. Well, it traumatized this poor little young girl. She's 13 years old, and she was just traumatized. And from 13 to 15, she went from being the perfectly dressed at church, memorizing every Bible verse the youth group and the Christian school had her memorize, um, looking like a perfect angel everywhere she went. She went to being absolutely the other way. She turned to every form of rebellion you could imagine from 13 to 15, and, or 13 to 18. And uh, we prayed for our youth group, just loved on her and prayed for her And when she would come back around. And she went through all kinds of trauma. But in the, somewhere around her 18th or 19th birthday, she popped back into church one day. And she ended up walking out in the lobby where I was. And we went to my office. And I said, can we just catch up with each other and talk? How you doing? And you now she doesn't look anything the same now. And she's just a mess. And her life's a mess. And I've heard all these tragic stories of where she's been and what she's done. And... We sat and talked. I just listened for about an hour. And then finally I just asked her, I said, what do you want in life? I mean, you're doing a whole lot of searching and a whole lot of reaching out. And you're trying to deal with a lot of pain that's not going away for some reason. What do you want? And uh, it was a perfect time for her to say. She said, I just want a friend I can trust. You know, it was a whole deal. Her dad had broken her trust at insane levels, off the charts levels. And so here's this 18-year-old broken girl. She's emotionally, physically, spiritually, and every other way you can imagine, psychologically shattered. I mean, you'd look at her and go, man, there's just no hope of her being normal. And, and as we talked, I said, well, could you... I gave her a pad. I said, will you just make a list of what friends look like? What's a friend to you? You say you want a friend. What would that friend be like? You know, and she said, guy friend or girlfriend? I said, I don't care. <laughs> I said, go guy friend. That's good. And because uh, I knew where we were going with all this. And so, you know, she, of course, she said he had to be good looking. I said, okay. And then she said he had to, um, and she said, uh, he has to be honest. He has to just tell me the truth. That's good. That's a good quality to have in a friend, isn't it? And then she said, um, he has to be understanding. That's good. Write that down. Understanding. I said, what else? And she said, caring would be good. Yeah. Funny. That's good. Every, you know, girls like funny guys, so. It's the only way I got married. <laughs> so funny was in there. And uh, so, so she went down and made this beautiful list. And, uh, you know, I told her, I said, there's nothing wrong with you. Your list looks like my list. It looks like everybody's list I've ever asked to make him that in my office. I've done it hundreds of times. And everybody makes the same list. You know why? Because it's in our wiring. We know what a friend looks like. We know what friendship is. We know what relationships are. And so after she made the list, I was able just to say to her, I don't know how you're going to accept this today because I know your life's just chasing about a thousand things that are unsatisfying. I said, but I said, Wendy, today I want you to know that everything on your list is God. You know, he's even good looking. So I don't know what he looks like, but I'm sure he's good looking. (laughs) So I said, but, you know, you, you wanted somebody that would give you gifts just out of the kindness of their heart. I said, do you like flowers? She goes, oh, I love flowers. I said, every flower on earth, every flower you see is a gift from God. He created them and colored them just for you. What's your favorite one? She said, you know, I really like the little daisies. I said, well, pff, he's got the highway department planting those in I-65 right now. You know, it's back when they started doing that plant the flowers in the median thing. And, and I said, you just drive down the highway and see your favorite flower. Do you think that's an accident? Or is that God saying, hey, I need the State Department finally use some of their money wisely, sorry, and, uh, and plant some flowers for people to see how great I am? God gives us great gifts. He's a good gift giver, and he's always faithful. She wanted somebody that was honest. He's always honest. He's always faithful. 
He's always there. So I was able to show her. I said, you know, God created you for a relationship. The number one goal of God creating you for a relationship was that you'd have a relationship with Him. And the thing you're searching for is never going to be found there. That took her a couple of years to get some traction on that. But she's turned her life around. She's got a great job and family, and she's doing great now. But it was interesting to me that this most wounded person I've ever sat in my office with and really just wrestling with God, how in the world am I going to help somebody that broken? Just reached out for friendship and could understand friendship. The broken part didn't affect the wiring of the friendship. They understood relationships. We're all wired that way. I love some of these uh, quotes I'm going to give you. They they took some kids and asked them some survey questions. Um, And one of them was, why does love happen between two particular people? Um, And so Andrew, age six, says, one of the people has freckles, so he finds somebody else who has freckles too, and then they're friends. I'm like, that's perfect. (laughs) Look for freckle people. Um, And then uh, May, age nine, says, no one is sure why it happens, but I heard it has something to do with how you smell. That's why perfumes and deodorant are so popular. <laughs> so, she's right about that, by the way. Um, <laughs> this is my favorite one, Manuel. He's Manuel, age six. He's a little troubled, but here's what he says. I think you're supposed to get shot with an arrow or something, but the rest of it isn't supposed to be as so painful. <laughs> so, <laughs> so first you have to get shot with an arrow, then you have love. And, uh, you know, but there's a lot of truth to what he says. He says the rest of it isn't supposed to be so painful. In a perfect world, it's really not. But you know what? Relationships are very painful. And the healthy ones can be very painful at times. We'll talk about that throughout our series this summer. Um, Another question they ask the kids is, what is falling in love like? And uh, John, age nine, says, it's like an avalanche where you have to run for your life. (laughs) So... (laughs) He's sort of a traumatic kid. And then, uh, (laughs) this is me at age seven. Glenn at age seven says, If falling in love is anything like learning to spell, I don't want to do it. It takes too long. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, the third question they ask him is, (laughs) What does the role of beauty and handsomeness play in the relationship of love? (laughs) Christine's got it right on. She goes, Beauty is skin deep. But how rich you are can last a long time. <laughs> so, she's clearly looking for a guy with money. Uh, why do people hold hands? They ask him, why do people in love hold hands? They want to make sure their rings don't fall off because they pay good money for them. <laughs> Gavin, Gavin apparently lost something in his life. Um, and then they ask him, why was kissing invented? And Gina, age eight, says, I know one reason that kissing was created. It makes you feel warm all over. And they didn't always have electric heaters or fireplaces or even stoves in their house, so they had to keep warm. (laughs) Good point. And then here's some great advice for our men today on Father's Day. You guys with your wives. um, How do you make love endure? Aaron, age eight. Don't forget your wife's name. That will mess up the love. So don't forget your wife's name. That will mess up the love. Um, But relationships are part of God's plan. And even children understand a lot of the little nuances of relationships. They're part of God's plan for all of us. So whether you're married or not, um, we're all involved in multiple levels of relationships. I mean, at some level, you have a a relationship to your coworkers and your neighbors and, and relatives that are a distance. And then there's the ones that are real close. And God has an order and a design for every bit of that. He's designed us to bring glory to Him and good to each other 
really to build up one another. You know that part of the goal of a healthy relationship is to build each other up. Good relationships should build each other up. I sat the last night of camp, after the, the beautiful scene at the cross, the last night of camp, um, we did some testimonies outside by the campfire, and then this massive electrical storm came right over the top of us, and we had to sort of panic and run to the dorms and ended our testimony time. But the pastors that are there, and there were five or six pastors and youth pastors and workers were, were there, and we just got on the couches in the chapel or in the uh, back of the cafeteria there. And I just asked them, can we have time together as just men that serve the church? And I said, we're not going to whine about our sheep and we're not going to talk bad about them. I just want to ask you all some questions. But we were able to fellowship together and have this huge bond of encouragement and say, how do we make sure all our people that are connected to our church are doing the work of the ministry? That was my question to them. How do you make sure that happens? And we all sat there and went, wow, that is hard, isn't it? We're not so good at that. And we need to, you know, and one of the pastors there, very wise, he said, you know, it begins with us. We have to be doers. And then we have to take people to be doers alongside us and teach them what doers do and uh, mentor them. And I said, that's brilliant, you know. And so we began to talk about having a, a culture in our church of doing and of course, they think our church is the greatest in the world because I keep telling them, you know, we do, that's exactly what we do. We, we are doers, and uh, we do those things. But, you know, it was great to fellowship with them. I have this connection with them, and we literally sat there and talked as friends, as close, close friends. We see each other once a year at camp, and uh, we help each, We really don't spend a lot of time talking at camp. We just uh, focus together and stay together. So, um, But relationships are at multiple levels, and the, the beginning of this all starts in Genesis chapter 2, if you're there with me. Um, in chapter 2, verse 24, you can go to the end of the chapter first. We're going to go back into the Garden of Eden. And here, God says, I'm going to read from the New American Standard, but um, it's, a, it's a good translation of this passage. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. That was my whole University Mobile theme right there. Naked and not ashamed. But here's the goal that God has for Adam and Eve. The two shall leave father and mother, cleave to their wife, and they shall become one flesh. So there's unity and intimacy and harmony and this beauty. And literally, there's this connection that goes heart to heart and soul to soul. Heart to heart and soul to soul. It's kind of the design. You'll see this at the end. We'll bring that right back around to you. Um, but if you notice in verse 24, the, the Hebrew word is for this cause, uh, for these reasons. Um, should, should a man and his wife leave his father? Why would a man and his wife leave? Why would a man leave his mother and father and get married? Why would people leave families and, and start new families? Well, there's a design that God has, and it starts at the beginning of that paragraph, which is chapter 2. In verse 18, but I want to take you to the context of this first, because chapter 2, verse 18 begins with, or chapter 2 begins with the God, we're in all the creation, remember chapter 1 is all of creation, and there's six days of creation, seventh day he rested. At the end of every day, five days of creation, let's go five in a row, one, two, three, four, five, he creates um, the heavens and the earth and the sun, the moon, the stars, he creates Land and water and fish and light and dark and all kinds of great stuff. And as God's creating all this all along, five days in a row, at the end of every day, God stopped His creation for a little bit and He said, It is... Say it strong. It is... Good. Good. Five days in a row, 
Day one, done with that, that's good. Day two, done with that part, it's good. Day three, it's good. Day four, it's good. Day five, it's good. Everybody's there but mankind. Day six, God literally scoops up some clay and molds it into Adam um, and breathes the breath of life into mankind. The first man, Adam. He breathes life into man and he puts him, everything's been good up to this point, he puts him in the garden, in the perfect garden, on perfect planet earth, in the perfect universe with no sin. It's all good. And he puts Adam down there in the garden. And then he says, Genesis 2.18, as God looks at his creation. It's, he's going to end the day now. He's ended every day with, it is, Genesis 2.18. It is not good, is what it says. It is not good that man would be alone. God looks at creation after he, puts, after he does another little part. He puts it on there and he kind of backs up and he looks down at the earth and the garden. And he goes, that's a perfect garden. That's a perfect man in a perfect garden. Mm, can't end today, though. It's not good yet. He can't end yet. You know why? Because it's not good for man to be alone. You know the number one reason for relationships at all? Any relationship, but especially marriage relationships, all relationships, is because men are not okay by themselves. We're just not okay by ourselves. That's a great Father's Day message, isn't it? And I thought about it. Saying, hey, if you want a really bit humbled, come to our church on Father's Day, and I'm just going to really show you how bad we are. But the truth of the Bible is this, guys, and if we would get it in our heads of what this passage is all about, it'll change relationships and marriages. You women, stop smirking like that. I'm watching your faces, and I see it happening. Stop it. <laughs> but the truth is, it's not good for man to be... The number one reason is because relationships... For relationships is men are not okay alone. We're not okay by ourselves. A bunch of y'all have seen me do weddings. And I say it straight to the guy at the wedding in front of everybody. You're not okay by yourself. We all know that. (laughs) We're so glad you finally have somebody with you. You're not okay by yourself. There's a cultural lie. There's a cultural lie in America. It's really worldwide, but it's real strong in our culture. And part of it's because men are protectors, providers. That's a gift that God's given us, warrior, protector, provider. It's part of the part of design of men. Um, but because of that, we think, here's the lie, men. We think they need us. I don't know how many men have sat in my office with broken or messed up marriages or wives that were calling me, threatening to kill them if you don't help them. I don't know how many have sat in my office and said, she just doesn't understand how bad she needs me. And I'm going, Really? She doesn't understand how bad she needs you. How bad do you need her? Man, I'm good. I'm really good by myself. And I'm going, let's, let's go back to some design here. Let's, let's look at Genesis 2 for a minute and see how much you are needed in this deal. You understand in Genesis 2.18, God put, and I don't, I don't even know that I totally understand how this could work. There is a perfect earth in a perfect universe. And there is a perfect garden with a perfectly created man sitting in the middle of it, who has God as his companion. God's going to walk with Adam. Sure he is. God and Adam, God's looking at the whole creation going, nah, that'll never work. And guys, that's us. He's looking at you standing by yourself in the perfect world. I've, I've had so many guys that go through you know, broken marriages, divorce and all that and go, Man, it'd just be a perfect world where I'd just be by myself. No, it wouldn't. 
No, it wouldn't. God's already looked at that one time from heaven and went, nope, not going to be good. Not okay. Uh, one of my friends at camp kept saying, you know, I'm a, I'm a hermit, man. If I could just have a cave and the internet. And I went, okay, now you're not a hermit if you have the internet. You have some connection. But he said, if I could just have a cave and the internet and live by myself, I'd be great. And I feel that way. I'm, I'm, I'm an introvert. I don't like being in front. I'd rather be back behind y'all watching somebody do this. But in all of that... <laughs> God is saying to us, men, you're not okay by yourself. And you need to understand, you're never going to be okay by yourself. You have to have help. You know what men hate asking for? Oh, we hate sometimes having to ask for help, don't we? You know what the original God, perfect Adam, he had to have some help. So, number one reason is that it's not good for man to be alone. The biblical truth is, men, we need women, Okay. I'm asking you to say that to your spouse or friend today. I need you. It's humbling. Okay? It's a, not a great Father's Day moment, but it should be. We need our wives, and I sure need mine. Um, who left because she doesn't like to hear me say No, I'm kidding. She's tired of hearing this. Number two, the second reason is Genesis 2, 19. Look at verse 19. And out of the garden... Out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought it to the man to see what he would call them. So we're on the sixth day of creation. Adam's in the garden. God's backed up and went, no, not good. Let's go down there and tour a little bit. And so Adam goes on this tour of the, of the creation. He sees all the beasts of the field and the animals playing. He has a great time. I'm, in my head I see him, him and Lassie. You know, a couple of lassie dogs and some Labradors running through these big open fields and, you know, jumping on giraffes and riding the lions and riding elephants and just having a great time wrestling with the big bears. You know, he's just having a great time with all of creation. And uh, maybe an aardvark there, I don't know. So anyway, my head goes crazy when I see all that. But he's seeing all of creation and the Bible actually says he names them and categorizes them. Um, to see what he would call them, and whatever the man called these living creatures, that was his name. God gave Adam the chance to call all these things out. And the man gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the sky, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. Helper suitable for him. It's the key words we'll come back to. So here's the second reason to get married, nothing else works. Adam had a perfect world to roam around in. A perfect world. And nothing in creation connected with Adam. He played with all the greatest animals God had ever created. He, he toured the beauty of the Garden of Eden. And he went, you know, nothing else works. Nothing satisfies me. This is just, I feel sort of empty. You know, and something wasn't connecting with him there. And he had a chance to see it all. Now, just on a side note, men, we are really good at looking for all the options except for the gift God gives us in Eve. We look for all the other options. We try to fill our life up and make our life satisfied by careers and hobbies and uh, planning and doing things that we like to do, planning things. We, we fill our lives up with all these extra deals, um, whether it's, whether it's um, searching... <laughs> I mean, I started thinking through men's hobbies the other day, and there's, you know, the whole monster truck thing, you know. I mean, that's just crazy. If you've ever been to one of the monster truck rallies, my kids used to go all the time down to the monster truck rallies at the Civic Center, you know, and it's just this way overdone vehicle. I mean, way overdone truck with way more power and way bigger wheels. And then 
they build a pile of dirt for it to just go vroom, over the top of. And then we pay money, and we sit in the stands, and we put earplugs in because it's so loud, and we watch and we cheer while a really big truck with a really big motor and really big wheels just goes vroom, over this dirt. It's guys, I mean, when we were little kids, we'd take these little cars and we'd go boom over the dirt. And then when you get bigger, you just go, hey, I can spend a fortune on this and then pay somebody to do it in front of me and do this the whole time because it's so loud and watch a big old truck go boom over the dirt. And that's all it does. By the way, it's, the track's a little bit bigger than this room. It just goes boom and it's done. And then they park it and then another guy goes boom. And then we see who goes boom the best and we're done. That's monster truck rally. If you haven't never been to one, now you have. Okay? But you know what? Guys sit there and just cheer like crazy. Oh, it's awesome. Because it's our hobby. And we're trying to find life in it. You know? We're having fun with it. You know, whether it's, it's hunting or you know, boating or anything, we just get, we throw ourselves into everything we can and we try to find life in those things. And a lot of times we get even a career or building a business, we'll get lost in, in that stuff. And we get some feedback from it that comes back good. And we start going, okay, there's some life in that. I can get some life out of that. When all along God says the aloneness in man and the hole that's in man's heart is going to need to be filled by the gift God's given you in womankind. I've watched a lot of guys walk away from their families or create a distance from their families trying to do stuff rather than be related to the one that God's given them and prove to the kids and everybody in that home that life comes inside the family circle and the husband and the wife create a, a unity of life and an intimacy and a beauty that God originally designed. And I've watched a lot of that hurt. So men, we've got to be careful that we, when you tour creation, nothing else works. Okay? I'll say it like they say it in Georgia. Wrestling. <laughs> okay? If your hobby is watching wrestling... First of all, it's a weird hobby to watch wrestling. But if wrestling is your hobby, it's not going to satisfy your soul, okay? It's crazy to me how we get those things. Now, I can make a case for deer hunting. If you want to go there, I can sit here and explain to you. Deer hunting really can calm down. You understand? I can get lost in that. I mean, I can really get lost in my hobby and lose the relational stuff that's supposed to happen. So we have to be careful. Number one reason not to get married is because it's not good for man to be alone. Number two, nothing else works. Number three, I love this, verse 21. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon man, and he slept, and he took one of the ribs out and closed it up at that flesh. Verse 22, and the Lord fashioned into a woman... The rib which he had taken from the man. The third reason for relationships and marriage is because woman is a unique creation from God. And she's there to solve man's needs. Now, man was created from dirt. <laughs> the stuff that we spend a ton of time trying to get off our clothes and off, our, off the dashboards of our cars and off the outsides of our cars and off of our furniture and off our floors, out of our lives. We don't want dirt in our lives. This is what we're created from, guys, dirt. Okay, so that's just who we were created from. Women were created from living tissue. They were created from Adam's rib. And, and so there's a huge, God intends in the original design, watch this. God intends for there to be a massive difference between inanimate dirt and living tissue. There's a huge difference from the very beginning. And our culture keeps wanting to try to figure out how to make those blend together. We keep trying to make women equal to men and men equal to women. God sees you as equal at the cross all the time. 
Okay, and I'm going to show you in the passage next week how God sees you as better than us, God, ladies. And you'll like that even better, and you'll get to elbow the you know, rib cage of your husband until it's black and blue. But all of this to say, we were supposed to be different. So stop trying to blend everything and, and learn to enjoy the differences. And men, we have to learn to enjoy that. You don't have to force your wife into the mold that you like. You actually have to learn to use her in a way that she helps lead you to be like God would want you to be. Man was also formed. The Hebrew word for mankind, um, Yasser and, and uh, I think Nadab's the lady's word in the Hebrew. But it's, it's, uh, the Hebrew word for man is formed. Like you, would, like you would stamp a license plate, just formed. It's, just a, it's a form machine that goes, there it is, and here's a fender, there's a fender, there's a fender, there's a fender. They're all the same. The word, look at the word that God uses for womankind. Verse 21 um, or verse 22, the Lord God fashioned into a woman. You know what that word means? Custom built. God custom made. He did not just go, hey, need a man. There he is. There, another man. Another man. He went, whoop. Now I've got to have a solution. You know why he had to custom make Eve? Because she has to be a solution to Adam. She is the that's the one that's suitable to help him. And she is going to be the solution so God can end the day and go, it's good. Remember, he hasn't said that yet. So he has to custom make a woman for Adam. And uh, it's pretty cool. <laughs> I used to teach this to my college kids in Birmingham on kind of a rotational basis, especially in my, I'd pull some guys off and we'd just be working because they'd be trying to start relationships and I'd want them to start off right. So we'd go through this. And one guy one day, he just said, custom built. Is that why they have so many more curves than us? <laughs> I said, yeah, you could look at it that way. That'd be good. Yeah. But they're, they're fashioned into a woman. And God, God custom made this woman to be the solution to mankind. And uh, then you notice the next one. Verse four, uh, 22, middle of the, or end of verse 22. Um, he fashioned into a woman the rib which he'd taken from the man and brought her to the man. Here's the gift This is a gift. God gave a gift to mankind in the garden. He put Adam in the garden and he went, Ooh, that's not good. we got to help him. Let me go make a gift. By the way, he put Adam to sleep to make the gift. You know why? Anybody ever figure this one out? Because Adam didn't have a clue what he needed. (laughs) Because Adam doesn't need to help solve the problem if he's the problem, right? God goes, you know what? I'm going to let you sleep. And I'll fix this for you. Because if you start chiming in what you want, you know, I want a woman that can swing an axe and chop that wood because that's going to be a hard thing for me one day. You know, I'm going to make this work for you, Adam. I'm going to do it so I'm going to put you to sleep because I don't need your help. And then when you wake up, I'm going to give you the best gift you're ever going to get besides Jesus Christ, your Savior. The best gift you're ever going to get is womankind. Ladies, you're the best thing that ever happened to the earth. Honestly, besides Christ... The best thing that ever happened to planet Earth is womankind. And men, we should live in honor of that. We should respect that because womankind is a gift from God. She was a gift to us. We weren't okay by ourselves. And she's our gift. And by the way, when you insult the gift, men, you're insulting the giver every time. When you insult the gift, you're insulting the giver. I don't know if you've ever given something to somebody that they didn't like or they didn't want and they talk bad about it. Um, I had a friend recently who gave her husband a a real nice watch. He wrecked on his motorcycle and tore his best watch up. And she found a $400 watch for like $140. And she gave it to her husband for Father's Day just a few days ago. 
And he fussed at her about how much she spent. $140 for a $400 watch. She, she, he fussed at her about that. You know what he was doing? He was insulting the gift and the giver. It hurt her when he did that. He was really insulting God at the end of the day because she was trying to make his Father's Day special. just boggles my mind how we can do that sometimes. Guys, we're very insensitive. Women are gifts from God, and we need to treat them all as gifts. Our moms, our aunts and uncles, even the bad women, and some of y'all know who I'm talking about, even the bad women are gifts. We have to be careful not to, not to push ourselves to a place where we think so negatively about womankind. We actually should respect and honor womankind as men. And then, of course, there's this beautiful part of the passage where, um, by the way, the weddings that we do, most weddings are done the same, where there's a, a groom that stands right here, Cody stood right here, and Brandon stood right here. Um, and, uh, but the groom stands right here, and the bride is in the back and, and is brought in usually by the father. And I tell the father in the room back here while we're praying before we start, you represent God today. It's a Jewish, we do a Jewish wedding even though we're not Jewish because we put a man at, at, up here by himself alone. And we let the father, God, Genesis 2.22, bring to Adam, the one who has the need, that which he needs. And uh, Gabe, Gabe and Jessica, we've, we've done lots of weddings right here, lots of your weddings right here, where we presented that exact picture of, of God delivering to the needy man. One day, God delivered Annette Hathaway uh, Givens to me. And uh, it was the greatest gift that I ever had. Matter of fact, my wedding was right there as well. So very thankful for what God's done in that. Then you, then you see Adam receive this gift, and it says, uh, Adam says, verse 23, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And it's real, everybody says this is just a Hebrew phrase that Adam was saying, Wow, yes, <laughs> that's perfect. That's exactly what I was looking for all day when I was touring the garden and naming all the animals. That's what I was looking for. She is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And Adam accepted the gift. So the fifth reason is because the woman is suitable for man. Now I want you to understand what the word suitable means because it's in the text. Um, look at verse 18. I just want you to track this in your Bible. If you have an uh, old-fashioned regular page Bible, you can circle these words. If you have something you've got to highlight with your finger, try that. Verse 18. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. You see that in verse 18? King James will be a little bit different in some of the other translations. Then you go to verse 21, um, or verse uh, 20 at the end. After Adam had looked at everything, there was not found a helper suitable for him. Um, but then God ultimately makes a helper suitable for him. Helper suitable for him. And I want you to understand what that means. The, the Hebrew word means she fits together with Adam. They work together. Womankind and mankind, relationships are designed, not even marriage relationships, but all relationships are designed for us to work together. Businesses that are run strictly by men fail every time. Good businesses have to have a woman's help and leadership in them. You have to have input and insight from that. And, and God needs means for us to work together. So womankind was suitable, fits together. The other word is it means complete. I love telling my grooms this um, in the counseling time. It means complete. No man, 
that's designed by God to be married. And there's a handful of people that God's called to be celibate. But the, the ones that God's called to be married, no man can ever be all God intends him to be unless he has a wife by his side that is all God intends her to be. And she is listening to God and tuning into God and listening to her husband's heart and tuning into that. And she is helping mold and direct and guide the husband's heart through submission. It's the weirdest way in the world to do it. Through submission, she is honoring the family and bringing God's glory into the family. And the man, I can never be all I'm supposed to be without my wife by my side. I can never be all I'm supposed to be without her help. Never happened. You take her out of the formula, I can't be all I'm supposed to be. You understand? So it's, it's one of those things as men we have to get that. And then the last one is that, that uh, they rescue us. The, the Hebrew word, if you take it to the deepest places where it can go with this word and dig really deep into what this word means, it's a rescuer. There's a little bit of humble, isn't it, guys? We were, we were, on, a, we were, we were on Survivor Island, Garden of Eden by ourselves, and God said, you're never going to survive by yourself. Here comes the rescuer. And it's a woman. It's not like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger or Rambo came to rescue us. No, he sent a woman in to go, hey, you guys really need some help here. Okay? And I've been in some meetings. I've been in meetings in this church where we were sitting around as men trying to figure a couple things out spiritually or trying to plan things. And a couple ladies like, what are y'all thinking? What are you thinking? We're like, I don't know what we're thinking. And then they sat down and schooled us a little bit and got us tuned in. We have to understand God sends womankind to rescue us. And the goal of the relationship picks up in the next verse. For these reasons, for this cause, should a man leave his father and his mother and, and cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Man and his wife were both naked and unashamed. Now that, that intimacy that's started, that talks about in verse 25... Of course, it's the, before the curse. There's this intimacy that's available. That intimacy is the relationship God intends. He intends for people to be heart, able to speak their heart and soul to each other. My heart to your heart, your heart to my heart. My wife and I, over years of practice, have to begin to learn how to speak heart to heart and soul to soul. Billy Graham was in his 50s, late 50s, when he finally wrote one day in a magazine, in an interview, he said, Ruth and I, are just now getting able to speak heart to heart and soul to soul to each other. And I thought, man, there's a guy. He's walked with the Lord a long time, and it took him to his 50s to get to the place where their hearts were connected. Heart to heart and soul to soul. That's the goal of healthy relationships. And the intimacy, that the nakedness that's here, is really more about a heart vulnerableness. It's about your heart being open and naked before each other. So there's nothing... At the end of the day, there was nothing Adam couldn't say after he'd been out in the garden all day and doing whatever he was doing, there was nothing he couldn't say to his wife that he had thought all day long. Nothing that went through his head that he couldn't share with his wife that wouldn't be a blessing and an encouragement to her. That's not true for us, ever. It's not true for us as men because we live on the chapter 3 side of this, the sin curse side, and we're going to look at the curses uh, and what happens there. We're going to look at what happened when sin comes in. By the way, sin's the most damaging thing to any relationship. The more sin you allow in your life, the more damage it creates. And sin damages relationships. Everybody in here could give way testimony to that. I'm not going to ask you to, but we're going to talk about how it's designed and what God's designed to repair that is next week. So today, gentlemen, we're to recognize that womankind is a gift to us. And on Father's Day, we should celebrate that gift, the gift of womankind that completes us and helps us and helps us be what we're supposed to be. Amen?